And now for episode three, tokenism. We are finally at the token POC figure. And this this is a topic that I feel like everyone can resonate with. Like I feel like everybody knows of a show, a movie maybe a real life event where they have been the token or they have seen the token or they have, I don't know, added to the token character. You feeling the same way? Yeah, definitely. I think when you look at a lot of um, pop culture, I guess we'll say TV show, there's always the right amount of people of color where you're not like, look what this show is doing. Mm But you never see them overdo it. You'll never see four Indian American best friends. Yes, they put just the right amount (laughs) of person of color in there. Yeah, and I'd just like to say that the right amount, like, that's that's the problem. The Mm -hmm. problem that we can all recognize that there is an amount Mm -hmm. and what is below and above it versus just having it be, like, not a quota, but also not then recognized as a foreign film Mm -hmm. because there's, like, too many people of color. Definitely. I think there are, in the past month, I've seen three Netflix films, like, previews, like, on the top of the screen. And as I'm watching, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, white, 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 the one black guy. White, 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 the one black girl. White, 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 the one Asian. Like, there, I've, I've, it's become a fun game for me at this point. I'm just, like, counting how many white people I see on the screen. And then the one black person, uh, the one Asian person, or the one Latina girl, or... It's just, it's it's exhausting. You know what show is actually really, um, like, focused on this? It's not a TV show, but have you heard of The Voice? Yeah. The Four Judges? Mm-hmm. It's always, like, there's gonna be one person of color. Yep. And one woman. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're like, whoa, look, it's this one woman who's also a person of color. Yeah. Then two white guys who have been there for eternity. Yeah, who was it? It's Adam Levine and... Um, Blake Shelton. Sh- yes. Oh, my goodness. And then CeeLo Green was like in the, in the beginning. Then Christina Aguilera, who is a white Latina, so she doesn't count as like in the conversation of person of color. Alicia Keys. Uh, Alicia Keys. Miley Cyrus. Usher. Yes, Usher. Wait, Pharrell. Yeah. It's so interesting. Jennifer Hudson. Yeah, they really interchange the people of color, but the white men stay pretty sad. Yeah, they're like these white guys gotta stay away. Um, I thought you were gonna say uh, the show Collegeish. Have you seen that? So no. it's like the child, the the sister show of Blackish, with Yara Shahidi. Grownish. Oh my gosh! What did I say? Collegeish. I was like, whoa! There's another spin-off. I'm coming up with my own show. Oh. It's gonna be called Collegeish. Where did I get that from? I don't even remember. Okay, Grownish. Yeah. That one, I think that show does a pretty good job. But that's also one of those things where it's like, it's a person of color doing the work that other people should be doing. So, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. obviously Grownish is going to have a very diverse cast because, like, look at the people behind the magic. What does this have to do with Harlem Moscow? So, um... We described Pushkin before, and we were talking about his presence and his um, esteem in Russia, um, especially with his work, uh, The More of Peter the Great. 
but what purpose could he serve for Russia? And that's where we get this tokenism, and we're really trying to think of the question of where does this line get drawn? Like, how do we figure out if someone's a token, if they're there just for the benefit of the image that's trying to be conveyed, or if they're serving a beneficial purpose? Yes. I think there's no one correct answer to this question. Um, When I think of tokenism and I think of, like, the literature that we covered in class, um, I think how, because tokenism is how others perceive you, there's, like, a temporality of tokenism that it's important to understand that people can be viewed from different angles by different people in different ways. So from the reading of The More Peter the Great, there's one quote that stuck out to me, and it goes, she gradually grew accustomed to the young Moor's appearance and even began to find something rather pleasant about the curly head. He was 27, he was tall and well-built, and more than one beauty gazed at him with feelings more flattering than mere curiosity. And this quote I found really interesting because they're looking at the Moor and they're seeing that he is different. They are exoticizing that difference and finding it in a way where it it doesn't seem scrutinizing but that's like carefully done so it does not seem scrutinizing and I think that's what tokenism is really about because it's about doing some work but not doing the work so if you put women on boards you put people of color on boards you're doing some work it's visible that you're doing that work but you're not doing anything to change anything because when you go into tokenism or you go especially if you're the person that is being tokenized you're really isolated you're not gonna have anyone else there that might share your views that might support you or even take you seriously in that position because, oh, you're there for the photo op. You're sort of this, like, what I would like to call the brochure picture. Yeah, the so college diversity The brochure. college diversity photo where it's, like, everyone is there, but it's one of each, not too many. It's also not – well, sometimes it can be ambiguous, but, like, the brochure photos that I'm referring to is that – no one is ambiguous of what their ethnicity is. You know someone is African-American because they can't have you thinking, wait, is that person African-American? No, it's like you are very much one color and you're stuck on the brochure and you're looking happy on campus. Yeah, it's, that's actually really interesting because they have to go with the most obvious form of what that person of color is. So like, what and, and it now that I think about it, and I'm so happy you brought this point up because I'm really considering this, they're really diving into like that theme of like colorism because it's like you don't want a racially ambiguous looking person on the diversity cover because then that brings about the question of wait, where but diverse for who you have to have the most obvious form of that race obvious in the sense with a like asterisk next to it meaning like we should all know that there is no obvious form but for the sake of these diversity pamphlets we gotta have the person with the I don't know, what was the quote? Wooly hair, flattened nose, like those types of things. Like those features gotta be there or it's or it's not diversity. Yeah, exactly. And 
I think we've had previous discussions about this. Our issues with the term diversity. Oh, I hate that and word. <laughs> do you want to expand on that a little bit? I just don't like it. I just don't. It's the, there's actually scholarship written about multiculturalism, like those arguments of multiculturalism and diversity and like just sticking those words wherever institutions see fit to try to send off this message that there's some type of inclusion. But then it becomes so ambiguous that everybody feels as if they can be part of that concept of diversity. Like, I don't know if that makes sense, but like... Yeah, I, th- I think I, d- I get where you're coming from. I think my issues with diversity is when it's commercialized mm-hmm. and not just commercialized of like, oh, here's a ethnic garment for you to buy on Forever 21, but commercialized in a way where people feel like they have to buy into diversity regardless if they're um, directly or indirectly impacted by it. So an example of this is um, a lot of... Asian Americans in the Bay Area, where I'm from originally, they'll... Um, you think the Bay Area? I hear people from California always saying the, the Bay, Bay Area. The Bay Area is a section of Northern California that centers around San Francisco. It's also okay. referenced as the Silicon Valley. Um, so it's just around the Bay, very much Bay Area. Cali talk. Cali <laughs> um, There's a large population of Asian Americans in the Bay Area, and when it comes to applying to college... Um, it gets really competitive amongst um, affluent Asian Americans, so they'll enroll in these um, college prep programs. There's just like different names for them, like Harvard 2K or whatnot. And um, in these programs, when you're writing your um, college um, essays, your personal statements or your diversity essays, they really make you stretch the truth. So an example of this is, I had a friend who was enrolled in one of these programs, who identifies as Taiwanese-American. Pretty affluent family. Parents are both engineers. Had very much all the resources that they would need to be successful in college. And when it came time to, like, writing a personal statement, they were told to discuss more about their grandparents and the adversity they face Um, with the Cultural Revolution in China, essentially migrating to Taiwan and uh, migrating to Taiwan, resettling there, and writing the story as if this was the adversity they faced. Um, I personally definitely acknowledge, like, trauma and intergenerational trauma, um, I do find it a bit of a stretch if they had all the resources that they need to be successful, but then also felt the need to leverage this diversity story. And that's what I mean when I say it being commercialized. Yeah, and um, kind of to just segue off of that, um, also in the writings of was Pushkin black and does it matter, there's this quote in there that says, and other Russian noble families acquired black servants as a way of keeping up with the fashion for the exotic, even a century after Peter's reign. Um, disturbing, one. And two, it's it's in fashion to have a black servant. And um, that's, to me, that's one of the most, that's like the highest form of tokenism you can get is because 
something is exotic, it becomes a fashion, and now you are the staple for that type of an image. Um, and I think that this, this quote just speaks volumes to um, being a person of color and being relied on as that answer to all of the issues that you have to deal with and then your issues kind of being put in this position where now your 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 problems become fashionable um and i think that that's where the argument of cultural appropriation comes in especially in the most literal sense of fashion being part of appropriation um so i think that that is just very interesting and i would love to see if pushkin actually I don't, I don't no actually i'm not gonna say that because i don't really know what pushkin's like economic stand point was um but yeah i think that this fashion uh quote really speaks volumes and is a really good segue for <laughs> what is happening today yes uh, for our popular popular culture reference uh megan markle who is currently married to prince harry they were married in 2008 where 18 2018 <laughs> Woo. wow time goes by so fast and as many of you know Meghan markle's father is white and mother is african-american and this stirred up a lot of tension actually internationally um it was very um, evident that people had some strong feelings about African-American blood coming into the royal family and what it meant for the British monarchy. Not only was it someone that was American, a Yankee, <laughs> but it was also someone who was not fully white. And it was really interesting to um, see how she navigates this role so we dive into a little research about megan and any any references that she may have made to her um background and identity and it's very minimal yeah and when the wedding came about i remember there was like this call of black excellence and like she made it we all make it in the black community on some aspects I know the other side definitely was not thinking that way but there was a side that was saying like she made it and we're gonna make it but again this one drop thing of like what's happening when we talk about blackness and um Meghan Markle does serve as a good role role for role model for this discussion because when you're talking about who made it and stuff we're tokenizing um her as a figure of blackness and like entrance into this royal sphere um and what is her activism while we were looking at this new york times article it seems as though she doesn't she's not very vocal about black issues so she's not vocal in the black lives matter movement she doesn't really talk about racial justice at all but the article does point to the fact that she talks about gender equality and the me too movement um so feminist yes uh i don't dot 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 yeah it's also um interesting because we don't know how much of this is her own like fruition and practice versus what she's allowed to do since she's joined the royal family it's important to note that 
when we're looking at like people of color and tokenism, it's not just how um, they're portraying themselves, but how media portrays them. And I think any contemporary discussions about her now is very much controlled by the media and um, what people are willing to talk about and not talk about. And an example of this is, I believe, uh, um, there was a current scandal with um, Prince Harry's brother, Prince William. <laughs> As you can see, Emily and I are not <laughs> savvy when it comes to the British Empire. I mean, <laughs> I can tell you a lot about Princess Diana, but when it comes to these oh, she two... Was awesome. she was awesome. Um, but yes, there's a the scandal about um, Ka- Catherine. <laughs> yes, yes. Catherine mm-hmm. and uh, Prince William mm-hmm. and maybe adultery, et cetera, et cetera. And the British media is just trying to talk about issues with Meghan Markle and like trying to um, divert the conversation from the royal family's. Um, like, trying to air out their laundry and trying to just air, like, the Americans' issues. Yeah, so just to wrap this up, Emily, what is the line where we start to see a person of color as a token figure? What do you think? I think it's whenever that person is unable to fully express their opinions in the position that they are placed in. So back to the reference of tokenism in, like, boards. When you have, like, women or people of color on boards or as, like, any form of, like, leadership or power, and you're not actually hearing their voice, that's where the issue is. Mm -hmm. And the issue could be themselves, that they're not voicing their opinions, and the issue could be how things are being filtered out to the public and being very cautious of, like, when people are portrayed as tokenism, how to perceive um, what is being said, and being very critical and... um, being very critical of what is being portrayed and why certain things are being said. Yeah, and looking at those power structures that we've heavily emphasized um, in the first few episodes, the blackface and the colorism, um, and I think that goes very well with what you what you said. So um, I'm so happy because this wraps up our three-part podcast on Harlem and Moscow. How do you think we did, Emily? I think we did pretty well. I think Pushkin will be pretty proud of us. Pushkin, Pushkin will definitely be proud, and so will Professor Wilson. So, Thank you, everyone, for listening, and tune in for another episode in the future. Thank Stay you. Stay lit. Stay lit. Stay lit.